0: Denny is coming today to preach, and I've known Denny for a while now, and and I've got to know him well. And every week, Denny sits at Message Community around a table with with those of us who are there, and we talk about the text. And every week, something this man says works its way into the sermon. And uh, I always say that Denny gets a lot of the credit for what is preached from this pulpit, even if or music stand, even if he always, isn't always uh, standing up here delivering the message. But uh, it's, it's really a privilege. I'm grateful for my friendship with you, Denny, and I look forward to you presenting the word today. Can I pray with you before you start? Absolutely. God, I pray for your anointing on this man today. Let his words reflect your word to us. Holy Spirit, open up our hearts to receive this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I haven't been up here for a while, so uh, forgive me if I'm a little shaky, but uh, I'll I'll do my best. Uh, You'll notice that my wife's not here today, so that ought to tell you something. (laughs) Actually, she's not here because she's in Virginia with my grandson, um, who was our first grandson who was born May 2nd, and I was there last weekend, so I didn't hear Dave's message last weekend, so if I happen to repeat something, that's why. It's, uh, I, I thought, actually, I, I hadn't s- spoke for a while, and I thought that the reason Dave had me come talk about this uh, passage is because it's all about ill-gotten gain. And, and he figured, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I ought to know something about that, right? Anyway. Okay, um, so this, this message I have titled, Danger the Easy Way. Okay. Uh, I have a subtitle to this message, which is, Don't Be a Bully Like Mitt Romney. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, I think you'll figure it out as we go through it. Um, this uh, book, of course, the book of Proverbs, was written mainly by Solomon. And Solomon was, uh, was a very wise man, much smarter than me. And so... Um, I am pleased to bring his words to you and, and not my own. He was, of course, the king of Israel, the son of David. Uh, and his reign began in about 970 BC. And he was the last king of Israel in the United Kingdom. Uh, after that, uh, his son took over, a gentleman whose name I'm probably not going to pronounce very well, but it's something like Rehoboam or Rehoboam or something like that. Why would you name your son that? But anyway, uh, he took over after that. And it's interesting to note that uh, the advice that Solomon gives his son today, uh, if he had followed it, uh, there might be a United Kingdom of Israel today. And so um, it's, it's interesting to see how that works itself out in history. Of course, our, our uh, talk, uh, our series here is... Uh, called Avoiding Stupid. So, uh, you know, you're probably saying, well, why is Denny up there talking if we're supposed to avoid stupid? But but what we want to do is we want to talk about wisdom. And really, in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, uh, there's not so much Proverbs per se as uh, Solomon begins to give his observations on the concept of wisdom. And how do we acquire wisdom? What, what is it that we do to develop wisdom in our lives? And uh, really, he speaks in, in this passage in verses 8 through 19 of Proverbs, and, and I'm going to steal one verse from Dave's talk last week, which is verse 7. He, he talks about three relationships or three components that are essential uh, to the development of wisdom in our lives. And like I said, I want to borrow the first one of those from Dave's message last week, which is in verse 7. Because at that point in time, Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So the first essential component to being a wise person is to understand your relationship with God, to understand who he is And to fear him, as it says here, to revere him, uh, to give him the first place in our lives, that is where we begin to understand what life is really about. So the fear of the Lord is the first essential component that we need to develop wisdom in our lives. And as he says, fools despise this whole concept. And they despise, therefore, wisdom. The word that is used, the the Hebrew word that is used for wisdom in this verse is the word chokmah. And that word has in it, it's a very rich word in, in the Hebrew. It has both the idea that we know what to do and it has the idea then that we know how to do it. In other words, we're both smart about what it is we're supposed to do. And secondly, we have the skill to accomplish it. So the first thing that fools despise is the whole concept of wisdom, knowing what to do or how to do it. You know, they're not, they don't care about that. Not important to them. Uh, second thing that is not important to fools, the second thing they despise is discipline, which, you know, I've been there, believe me. I, I despise discipline. And the word in the Hebrew really talks about um, correction or chastening. Uh, or discipline in the sense of you did something wrong and so we have to correct it, okay? That word is musar. And interestingly enough, that is the same word that Solomon begins the next verse with, okay? So the two things that the fools despise are first of all knowing what to do and how to do it, and then secondly, they despise the humility that comes with correction, the humility that comes with chastening, and being off on the wrong track and having to figure out how to get back, okay? This is where Solomon begins the second aspect to the development of wisdom. He says first, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck, all right? So what's the second component What's the second important relationship that we need in developing wisdom? Well, it's the relationship between parents and children, right? And interestingly, um, the the word that that Solomon used in verse 7 for discipline, uh, he now uses for the word instruction in verse 8. He says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. In other words... He's talking about that role that fathers have in correcting their children. Uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I was a little kid and I would do something wrong, uh, very often my mother would say to me, wait till your father gets home, right? And, uh, you know, in any good family, uh, my family was not a great one, but in any good family, uh, there's a role for fathers to discipline and correct their children. And so when Solomon speaks of his father's instruction in this verse, he's talking about that role that fathers have to keep us on the right path, to help us to understand the direction we are to go and to take. Um, And another thing I wanted to point out about this verse is he says, Listen, my son. And I would think that at this point in time, Solomon may be thinking of his son Rehoboam, uh, who will soon be king. Rehoboam took over, uh, Solomon had ruled about 39 years, Rehoboam took over when he was about 41, so uh, he had been Solomon's son for all of his reign, and I'm sure they had a good relationship and they spoke together about how things were supposed to work, but I kind of think of this passage as something that Solomon might have taught his son when he was younger, um, something that he told him, and maybe his son might have forgotten, as we'll, as we'll look at later. Uh, but um, it's sort of one of those things where it's kind of the first thing you have to think about as you develop a foundation for wisdom. And, and, and so um, I think that he was thinking just of his son, but the word in Hebrew uh, also is translated children. So I just want the ladies to know we're not leaving you out. Um, You know, son may mean daughter as well. In fact, it's translated as daughter and granddaughter. And so it's kind of interesting how God does this, but, you know, it's a great passage to talk about as we dedicate Ava today because uh, this whole concept is the development of wisdom not just for sons but for daughters as well and in families as a whole. And so... uh, Solomon is kind of observing here that the first and most important thing that you must do to be wise is to understand who God is. The second and most important thing that you must do to be wise is to listen to your parents, to hear what they say. Um, And the word listen actually is most times translated here. It's also translated listen carefully. It's also translated obey. So it's a very rich word in the Hebrew. And it's not just to hear this thing in this ear and have it go out that ear. But it's to hear it very well, to listen very carefully, and to utilize that uh, instruction in your life. Okay? And and not only does Solomon uh, talk to both sons and daughters, he doesn't leave out moms either, right? Um, Because he then says... Do not forsake your mother's teaching, okay? And so it's extremely important not just to listen to the correction and discipline you receive from your father, but also listen to your mother's teaching. And the word for teaching here is Torah, okay? So it's mostly translated law or, or rules, all right? So all those rules your mom has for you, listen to them, okay? Okay? When mom lays down the law, you follow it, right? That's what it means to be wise. So Solomon says to his son, he says, first of all, uh, you must know who God is, and, and you must know who you are in relationship to him. Secondly, you must listen to your parents, both your father and mother, because they have a great deal to teach you about wisdom. So what is the third aspect to this? Well, um, I, I think this begins the, the last section uh, of this passage, and it's a beautiful day out there, so I know you guys don't want to sit here and listen to me very long, so I'm going to try to be real short, all right? Um, but this uh, part of it lasts for the next set of verses, verses 10 through 19. And really, what Solomon is talking about here is our own responsibility in the development of wisdom. Okay? Um, And he's talking about a specific aspect of it, which, I don't know, may have been something his son was dealing with at the time. I'm not sure. But basically what he says to his son is you have a responsibility in developing wisdom and avoiding being a stupid person. Okay? Verse 10, he talks about Sinners. He says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Okay? My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Now, the word for sinners, the root of it is the word to miss or to go wrong. Okay? So, what we've got here is a group of people who are headed the wrong direction. Okay? Mm -hmm. They're missing what they're supposed to be doing. And what they're doing here is they're making an effort to entice Solomon's son to go with them. Um, It's interesting to me that the root word for the word entice is to be simple. Okay? Simple in the sense of not very smart. And it's also translated to deceive. So... It looks to me like what's going on here is he maybe has a group of friends who are not very smart, and they're trying to help Rehoboam go that direction as well. And I think you can see why Solomon believes they're not very smart, uh, because they have some things to say to Rehoboam that you would hope that no one says to your son and daughter. The first thing he says, they say to him is, uh, come along with us. Let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Yeah, l- let's do that. That sounds like a fun Friday night. You know? Let's go beat somebody to a pulp and watch them die. Oh, my my that sounds like fun yeah I don't think so um really not a very smart group guys okay but they are a group of guys and believe it or not there are people who would join that group um why would they join that group you know I really don't know uh, they're not avoiding stupid shall we say But it is interesting to note that there are lots of groups like that out there. And they're all over the world. And so anywhere you are, you can find a group of people who have this attitude toward life. One of the things that's interesting to me about Solomon's um, comments here is, you know, he's, he's really starting out, and he's getting winded, wound up here in, in, in the whole concept of what it means to be wise. And... Um, Solomon is really talking about a fairly basic idea here. Um, And and really what he's doing is he's kind of tracking what Jesus said about the greatest commandment, isn't he? Um, You know, they asked Jesus, they were trying to trap him. They said, hey, Jesus, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, well, uh, that one would be love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and there's a second one too that's pretty good and that's love your neighbor right? doesn't sound like these guys love their neighbor a whole lot does it uh... in fact uh, they're going exactly the opposite way to loving their neighbor what they're doing is they're trying to take their neighbor apart literally limb by limb and get what they have see because The reason they want to do this is found in the next set of verses. Starting with verse 13, they say, We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw your lot in with us and we will share a common purse. Right? So why are they doing this? Because they want their stuff. And they want other stuff. And so they're just going to take it. From people. And and their approach and their attitude, Solomon says, is completely wrong. He tells his son, My son, do not go along with them, do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. So it's obvious that Solomon says this is not the way to gain things in life. This is not the way to be a success. And it should be fairly obvious to all of us, but, you know, there are things in this offer that they make that can cause people to go that direction. One thing is group identity. When you're a teenager, you want to be part of a group. You know, most teenagers are joiners. Uh, And I don't know that, that all of us lose that as we get older. You know, I've spent the whole week by myself, and honestly, I don't like it. <laughs> I'd rather have somebody there. So, you know, when you're alone or feeling lonely, you know, if there's a group that wants to bring you in, you've got to be a little bit careful about what that group does and what they believe. The second thing that they offer is material gain. There's none of us here that want material gain, is there? You know? I was watching... Uh, I, one of the things I did to stave off boredom was I watched Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol uh, on, was it last night? And and um, great movie. You know, I, I just love those movies where people are falling out of buildings and, you know, it's, it's, things are blowing. It's just a really fun movie if you're liking that kind of stuff. But it was interesting because when I finished the movie, it was about, I don't know, 10.30 or 11 o'clock. And um, I, I flipped off the, uh, the movie and the TV came back on. And there is Tom Cruise on, on Jay Leno. I guess this was Friday night. And um, they all kind of run together for me. And, and Tom Cruise is being interviewed by Jay Leno because he's in this new movie. I, I think it's called Rock of Ages or something. And so... Uh, you know, he's talking to Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is talking about his life, you know, and and his boat and and his uh, travel, and you know, I'm sitting there thinking, man, if only I could be five foot six and have all kinds of money. That would really be something, wouldn't it? You know? Okay, I'm kidding, but but uh, but we do. We we look at it and we say, gee, you know. It sure would be nice to have three, five, seven, a hundred million dollars. Don't you think? I mean, I would like that, I think. So, you know, when people offer you money, you don't just say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding me? A million dollars? No way. No way. I don't want that. No, we, we, you know, these are the things that we consider part of the good life, right? We had all kinds of stuff. You know, we can do whatever we want, go wherever we want. And that's really what's being offered here. You know, I mean, let's face it, Rehoboam, he was a rich man's kid, right? How much gold did Solomon have? You know, and he had like 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, the man had everything, right? <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, so, you know, you got a rich kid here. Really? And, and he's kind of going, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't mind having a little of my dad's dough and hanging out with the guys. So, you know, it's, it's really more attractive than it sounds when you start. But see, this is a trap. This is a trap. This is not the way to wisdom. And Solomon tells his son this. He says, How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. It's an interesting illustration that he uses. Um, But, you know, we think of birds as maybe not very smart. I don't know. but, But if you set up a trap for them and there's a net in front of them and you put a little grain in the net... Uh, And they're flying toward the net, and they see the grain. Um, You know, they go, wait a minute. I don't think I can do this because there's this net there, right? And so the bird flies away. They don't take the grain, right? But what he's saying here is these guys aren't that smart, (laughs) you know? They have an appetite like an animal. There may come a time when a bird is hungry enough that the bird will say, oh, grain, I don't care about that other stuff. Zoom. Bam. Gone. Right? And that's what he's really saying about these guys is they're not even that smart. I mean, they just, they are run by their appetites. And, and they're running headlong into destruction. You know, they, they lay this trap for somebody else. But what they don't understand is it's a trap for themselves. Because when you're dishonest when you treat other people horribly, when you look for ways to, you know, get things for you and take it away from other people, there's only one end to that process. And the end is you're gone. You're done. It isn't going to be good. That's what Solomon is telling his son here. Please don't go that way. Right? Right? I don't care how nice these guys are. I don't care how good they treat you. Trust me. If they can kill a bunch of people for their money, they can kill you. And so can other people when they see what you're doing. So don't go that way, right? Don't go that way. There are good examples of this everywhere. One of the examples I think of in Scripture is Haman. Right? And Esther? Haman was the guy who was going to kill Mordecai and kill all the Jews and all that stuff. And he was getting ready to hang Mordecai and had everything set up just the way he wanted it. And then Esther came along and, oh, no. Who ended up getting hung? Haman. Darn it. That didn't work out real well, did it? Shoot. Yeah, and, you know, and then there's Peter. Peter. That's another good example. Um, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter's there with him, and this mob shows up and they want to arrest Jesus. and Peter whips out his sword and starts hacking away. It's really funny because Peter's such a good shot he hits the guy's ear and hacks off his ear. Oh boy, way to go, Peter. <laughs> You just kind of think about that and you go, man, I'm glad Jesus didn't have to, you know, have these guys really uh, kill people for him to be okay because he was in serious trouble. But anyway, um, what Jesus tells Peter at that point in time is he says, hey, Peter, this is not the way to go, pal. You know, if you live by the sword, what happens? You die by the sword, right? This is not the way to go, Peter. We've got a better way. And, and I think we need to remember that Jesus' message was not just to Peter, but it was to us as well. His message to us is we have a better way, right? And that's the better way that Solomon is talking about here. And so really there are three things that he says we need to value. My, my title for this message was a little bit of a double untonder. Because I'm a lawyer and I can do double entenders, right? I don't know. Danger the easy way, okay? This is the easy way to get into danger, right? Follow the crowd, treat people badly, that's the easy way to get into danger. Danger the easy way, right? Uh, You know, it's not easy. To humble yourself before God. It's not easy to listen to your parents. And and oh, by the way, parents, uh, you know, we have a responsibility in this process too. It's very, very important that our instruction and our correction, uh, you know, brings about wisdom, right? And that's not easy. It's not easy to teach your kids the right way okay and it's not easy to tell people especially if you're feeling lonely or depressed or whatever it's not easy to tell people I don't wanna be part of your group you know I'm not gonna do things this way and uh, so those things are not easy but if we decide to press the easy button in life very often what we find is significant danger so That's why I said it that way. There are really three things we need to value. The first one is teaching, the law, right? When mom lays down the law, we need to value that. We need to value teaching and instruction. We need to keep an open mind and learn uh, what it means to be wise. The second thing we need to value is direction and discipline. It's, it's, it's extremely important for us to have other people around us who can help us when we're on the right on on the wrong track to get back to the right way the third thing is is wisdom Chokma. knowing what to do and how to do it we need to understand that there's no happiness in life with ill-gotten gain um... do you think Bernie Madoff had a really good life. I mean, you know, he lived in a penthouse in New York City, drove whatever car he wanted. But, you know, I don't think Bernie Madoff had a good life. I think that Bernie Madoff was always looking over his shoulder. He was always waiting for that time when somebody would figure out what he was doing. I bet the guy had a hard time sleeping at night. And most of us would if we were in his situation. You know, you may gain a lot by being dishonest and hurting other people, but it's not the way to go. It's not the way to a wise and happy life. And I think the final application that we take from this message is to listen to Jesus' words and the better way which is to love God and love our neighbors. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, Solomon and his wisdom, and we thank you for the fact that uh, he didn't ask you for all of the things that uh, the sinners are offering in this passage, but that he asked you to make him wise. Help us to value his teaching. Help us to correct those things in our lives that are taking us away from your wisdom. And finally, help us to love you and love our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.